Uh, you may be seated. Um, <clears throat> the Lord just had mercy on you all because he kept the microphone away from my face while they were singing. Somebody say amen. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> um, well, I think that uh, I think that the situation that Pastor was saying where he forgot to flip the batteries. Um, well, I, I do want to say this. I, I think that uh, sometimes we get too comfortable with the you know, with the, we're provided with the air and with the heat and with all this stuff. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold? Amen. <laughs> if you're lukewarm, spit you out of your mouth. So we're just trying to help you along with that, okay? We want to remind you, hot or cold. Let's go before the Lord. God, we thank you for this, this night. God, we ask that you would open up the scriptures to us, that you, you would open up your word to us. We know that your word is truth, that you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes the Father, but by you, God. We trust you. We believe you. We ask that you would anoint our ears and you would anoint my tongue, that you would humble me, God. Hide me behind the cross. I only want to speak what you have me to speak, God. Thank you for it forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, let's just get right into it. Tonight, how many have, how many have, like, like show me, okay? Yeah, I want to see Bibles. How many have your Bible? If you don't have one, Sister Sandy's looking for his right now. It's it's okay if you left it at home. You don't. It's all right. You don't have to feel ashamed. Where? Okay. So I'm going to start a series titled simply this: Jesus throughout the Bible. Jesus throughout the Bible. Um, and we're going to need our Bibles. Somebody say Amen. We're going to need our Bibles. You're going to need your Bible um, not only for the series, but I think you're going to need your Bible ever more increasingly every single day as time goes on. You're going to need it. We're getting closer and closer to the end days. And even beyond the end days, we need it for everyday life. Amen. We, we can't overemphasize the, the importance of Scripture. Okay? In, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And listen to this. And the Word was God. Amen. It says that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that's Jesus Christ. But the Word of God is important. It is the most important study that you have in your life, okay? How many can say boldly that Jesus is the most important person in your life, amen? I mean, yeah, I need hands for that. Like, Jesus is the most important person in your life, amen? Without him, I am nothing, okay? Um, so why is it that we have such a hard time, <laughs> like, reading what he said, getting into what he said, and knowing everything about what he said? I, I mean, get just digging in. You're never going to find an end to the knowledge that you'll find in it and the wisdom that you'll find in it. Amen? We, we spend so much time. We, you know, people can study all these big, I mean, like, there's the Lord of the Rings fans, right? Do you realize how many pages are in those books? Like, it's 3,000 or something. You know what I mean? They can know all of that and know all the ins and outs and the ups and downs and the this and the that and the lore and the story. And sometimes we have fans of, you know, TV series and movies and all that stuff. And we're able to read through all of that. And we, we just want to soak it all up. But then our Bible sits and collects dust, even though we say it's the most important thing, that Jesus is the most important thing. There's, something, there's, there's a disconnect here, okay? You, does anybody agree with what I'm saying? Anybody see that in your own life? I can see that in my own life. I'm like, why is it that I want to focus more on this rather than focus on what I claim to be the most important thing in my life? What's, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Does anybody relate? Amen. So what I want to do, um, I hope that what we do encourages you to study. I don't want to just come up here. So I, like I said, I'm going to be starting a series. And what we're going to do is go through different books of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, um, and point out and see that this this book, this, the Bible, it's different books. It was written by different people. Somebody say amen. It was all written. You got some by Moses, some by David, some by Solomon, some by, you know, Peter, James, Mark, Paul, and Ringo. Amen? <laughs> Sorry, that was the Beatles. I was thinking. I meant the Gospels. John, Mark, you know, Luke, and, and Paul, and Matthew. But they're all written by different authors. And sometimes we treat them so separately that they, like, they are different books. How many know there was ultimately one author who inspired it all? We need to realize that. We need to recognize that. That there was a plan. Somebody say there was a plan. From the beginning to the end. 
okay, from one cover to the next. If you look from, from this, this side of it over to this side of it, Genesis to Revelation, it's all about one thing. One thing in one person, it's all about Jesus Christ, amen? It's all about when God became man and dwelt among us. So, so in the Old Testament, I want to read something to you. I heard a, a pastor talk about this a couple days ago. Um, I think it's very interesting what they said. If, if we can go to Proverbs 30, I want to read this one in the ESV, um, Deja. We're going to go to Proverbs 30, um, starting in verse 1. This one I'm going to read on the screen with you. I didn't see how many had their Bibles. If you want to read on the screen together, we can, but no matter what happens, I want you guys to follow with me. I don't want you to just hear and then just wait until you hear something you like and then say amen and pop up from your phone. Amen? <laughs> um, I want you to follow along with me, whether it's in the physical Bible or whether you got it up on the screen. Listen to this. So this is Proverbs. How many know Proverbs has this, this great wisdom for life? Someone say amen. And in the Old Testament, they, they had the law, they had the prophets, they had, you know, Genesis, they had the whole, the whole Torah, they had the Pentateuch. They, um, we have Proverbs. And imagine the, the people that lived before the time of Jesus. Just go with me for a minute, okay? We're going to look at the, a, a big, deep dive into the Old Testament um, and show how Jesus is really the ultimate story throughout the whole Bible. Without him, it doesn't make sense. It, without him, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't click, okay? So Proverbs, we know, has all this great wisdom all throughout it. The first 29 chapters is telling you, you know, how to live your life, how, you know, how to keep yourself pure, how to obey your parents, how to, you know, how to rule if you're a leader, how to submit if you're a servant, uh, all this different wisdom, okay? And I want you to listen to what this guy says in Proverbs 30, this guy named Agur. The words of Agur, son of Jacheth, the oracle. So this is a pretty smart dude, okay? He's an oracle. He's, somebody say he's smart. <laughs> he has a lot of wisdom. We're at the end of Proverbs now, okay? We, we're, we've gone through all this wisdom. We've seen all the law through Genesis, through Exodus, through Leviticus, through, you know, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We've seen the law. We've seen the sacrifices. We've seen the priests. We've gone through kings. We've gone through prophets. We've gone through a lot by this time, okay? Somebody say amen. Say he's got a, he's had a lot of reading. If, if you're in Proverbs, you're about almost halfway through the book. He had a lot of it, okay? Listen to this. Smart dude. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declares, Agur declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Verse 2. Surely, is Jackson asleep? Jackson can't say this word. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. He's asleep. We're good? Okay. <laughs> We teach him that's a bad word. He just would have, man, he would have had a fit right there, but he's okay. Surely, listen to this. He's got half of the Bible. Somebody say amen. He's got more than half of the Bible at this point. He's got so much wisdom. He's seen all the law. He's seen, he's seen tons of prophets, and he's been able to see all of Psalms. Amen. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. He's demeaning his wisdom. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Listen to this, verse 4. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in his garment? And he's asking this. He's like, I don't, I, 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 I've heard about God, but I don't know God. Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? The rest of verse 4. What is his name, and listen to this, and what is his son's name? Interesting. Somebody say interesting. Things that make you go, hmm, amen? Things make you go, hmm. He, so we have the revelation in, in, um, in Exodus, and in, in Moses says, listen, if I'm going to go to the people of Israel, I need to know your name. Okay, we're just doing some history here. He said, I need to know your name. And he says, you tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. My name is I am, and it forever will be. We translate it to Yahweh now. He is the Lord. Amen? The Lord of hosts. And they know this name. They, they have an idea of God. But this guy, Agar, says, I am too stupid to even be a man. I, I don't get it. 
I've, I've, I've read about God. I've read about these stories. I see it all, but I don't know his name, and I don't know the name of his son. And we realize that the whole key to the entire scripture, the entire point is Jesus Christ. In order to understand any of it, you have to look at it through a lens of what Jesus did. Amen? We can't, we can't just look at the Old Testament and say, well, this story of, of this person, that's great. How can it apply to my life? This story of this and that and the other. I don't really know what it's there for. Ruth, don't really understand the story, but it's really nice. We have to realize that there was a plan throughout all of it. And that you can find, you can find through each book, through each chapter, maybe not every single verse, but a lot. You can see types and shadows of Jesus Christ. You see him throughout all of Scripture. And the reason why we see this is because, like I said, it was written by one author. He's the one that wrote it. He's the one that had the plan from the beginning. How many has ever seen a movie? Get your thing, your thinking caps on for a minute. How many has ever seen a movie that includes like a mystery or like a twist at the end, right? Like, I mean, don't watch these, but like murder mysteries, you know what I mean? Like where all these pieces kind of like are happening in the movie. And you're like, oh, I wonder who did it. Um, and you see this clue, and you see this clue, and you see this clue, and you see this clue. But then at the end, it all makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's finally revealed who done it, right? Right? Amen? It's like the Old Testament was like all of those clues. And, and it's like, I don't, you know, you're reading through the Old Testament, and you have no knowledge of Jesus. And this is how the Jews were in the Old Testament in the, you know, before Jesus came. I see a clue here, and I see a clue here, and I see a clue here, but I don't have the key. I don't know who did it. I don't know the answer until we get to Jesus. Amen? He's the key. He, when you find out who did it, amen, you can watch the movie a second time. How many ever watched a movie a second time? Because you're like, I did not get that the first time, so let me watch that again. And the second time you watch through, you're able to see that movie, and you're like, I see what they did there. I see what they did there. They were trying to tell me. It was right in front of my face the whole time. I just couldn't get the answer because I didn't know the key. I didn't know who did it. Amen? And you got all these Easter eggs going throughout the movie is what we like to call them. This is exactly what, what, what God did, what Jesus did with the entire, the whole testament of Scripture. And I want to show it to you. Does anybody want to see it? Nobody wants to see it. Amen. Well, I guess we're going <laughs> to. All right. Amen. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7. This is exactly what I was just, just talking about. I did not just come up with this. This is, Paul says it very clearly. But if the ministry of death, he's talking about the law that came through Moses. He's talking about the first five books of the Bible in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians um, 3. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory... So that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was. So we're, he's referencing to the, to the story of how Moses went up on the mountain and God, God, God shines down and God, God thunders down and he writes the Ten Commandments on stone. And Moses comes down off of the mountain and his face is shining. And he has to veil his face because it's too, it's too, it's too shiny, Okay. It's the, the glory is, is, is going off of his face, um, of Moses, because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. If that, listen, this is what Paul is saying. If that came with glory, verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? He's saying the Old Testament was great. You got a picture of God. But there's an answer to Agur's question where he said, I just don't get it. I, 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 what is God's name? What is his son's name? Paul's saying, we know it now. If that was glorious, think how much more this is going to be glorious now. And we have to look at this from a standpoint today as the church and say, listen, this is going to be a fun ride because we can see the glory of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. I think we can see even more the glory of God throughout the whole Bible. Throughout the, all of Scripture, we're going to be able to see the footprints of Jesus. We're going to be able to see it weave through. Amen. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. 
For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is with glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. And listen to this, verse 13. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. So he covers the, he, he, he covers the glory that is the revelation of God in the Old Testament. This is what Moses does because they couldn't get it. They didn't understand it. Verse 14, but their minds were hardened for until this very day, until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. But listen to this, because it is removed in Christ. It is removed in Christ. The answer to your problem. If you have ever had an issue, how many, let's just be super honest. How many has ever had an issue understanding scripture? You, it's, just, it's just hard to get sometimes, amen? Paul puts it very clearly. He puts it right in our face. He says, the, the veil still remains over the truth, but it is lifted by Jesus. We see it all clearly. We get the picture. It all makes sense when we look at it through the right lens, amen? He's like looking at it through, through the glasses. When you've been looking at it fuzzy all your life, it's going to be like putting on a new lens when you're able to see, listen, this, is all, this was all written by one man. This was all written by one God, amen? But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, amen? The veil is taken away. So that's something I, I want to happen as, as, as we spend time doing this, as we spend time recognizing that all of the Bible is about Jesus. It's all the same story. It's told in different ways, but it all reveals one coming king. Amen? In the Old Testament, he was concealed. He was hidden. He was veiled. They couldn't get it. They couldn't understand the picture. They, they had an idea of God, but it just wasn't quite there yet. In the Old Testament, it was Jesus Christ concealed. But the New Testament is just Jesus Christ revealed. Amen? This is Jesus revealed. This is what I want you to realize. All roads in the Bible lead to the cross. Every trail you could possibly find yourself in Scripture. You read this, you know, you read the random stories where you're like, man, Tamar, and, and this happens with the David, and this, and that. I don't see how that fits. If you follow the line, if you follow the trail, amen, you follow the rabbit trail eventually, you're going to find yourself at the cross. You're going to find yourself at redemption. You're going to find yourself at the gospel, amen? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's all through scripture. And all this is going to be is going to try to encourage you to get in scripture, to dig in and find Jesus. Find Jesus, amen? All right, let's... let's uh, we're going to look at three different scriptures where Jesus himself talks about this reality. Let's go to John 5. Start in John 5, verse 39. Is anybody bored yet? Somebody say amen. Yes. I was just checking. Every time I say say amen, everybody's going wild, so I just... Oh, amen. All right. Hope you're not bored. Uh, let's go to John 5, verse 39. Jesus wants to be very clear about this. We heard Paul give the testimony of it. Now hear what Jesus has to say. In uh, John 5, 39. Follow along on the screen. Follow along on your Bible. Whatever you got to do, follow me. Look at what we're reading. You search the scripture. Listen to this. You search the scripture, a.k.a. the Old Testament. He's talking to the Pharisees. You search and you study the scriptures. Because you think in them you have eternal life. Watch this. It is these that testify about me. It is these that testify about me. Let's see. Let's go down to 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? 
Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, listen to this, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so what Jesus is saying is like, listen, I already gave you enough clues. I already gave you enough hints. I already gave you enough, you know, follow this trail in the Old Testament that whenever I showed up, you should have been like, look, it's the Messiah. Amen? They're expecting this this great reigning king to come, but they completely forgot about Isaiah 53 that says he's going to be a suffering servant. Amen? They... They're expecting something different than what, you know, they read the scripture and they didn't quite get the picture of who Jesus was. And he's like, if you would have believed the Old Testament, if you would have believed Moses, if you would have believed me from the beginning, you would believe me now. And so we got to realize it is not two separate things. We can't focus only on the New Testament. We can't focus only on the Old Testament. It's revealed by Christ and it's speaking all about Christ. Okay. And um, Luke. Luke 24. I'm telling you, if you don't like to read the Bible, you came to the wrong service. I was going to tell you, so like, I was going to like find some way to be like, hey, um, you know, I'm on the schedule on this day and this day. So if whoever wants to continue the series about Jesus throughout the Bible, um, you know, come, you know, make sure you're there on this day, do whatever you got to do. Um, but I don't know if I want to do that because I don't think anybody will show up. Amen. <laughs> not because of me, but I, I just think a lot of times we have a hard time just sitting and just digging into the scripture. It's what the Christian faith is based off of. We should, we should be more in love with it. Going to have a big section of reading. All right, get your, I want you to think about this. Think about the story. Think about what you're seeing. Um, um, picture this and imagine this, okay? Don't just read it as words. Kind of even after you even have to close your eyes and imagine what's going on. This is after Jesus had died. So Jesus, when he's alive, he says, listen, you read the Old Testament thinking that it's going to give you life, but you don't realize that the only thing that it's saying is it's pointing you to me. It's, it's they're testifying about me. The law is talking about me. The priests are talking about me. The prophets are talking about me, but you don't see it. Okay, so they crucify him. We know that he raises on the third day. And this is a, an account of, of two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13, and behold, two of them were going to that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. This is after Jesus had died, but they did not know he was risen yet. So three days after the the, the crucifixion, but they don't know Jesus is alive yet. Verse 14, and they were talking with each other all about the things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, listen, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. You guys have a picture yet going on? So we got a road. We got two guys walking down, and then Jesus comes up, but he blocks their vision because he wants to teach them a lesson. Amen? He blocks their vision because he wants to teach them a lesson. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Verse 17. And he said to them, what are the words that you were exchanging with one another as you were walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. You see that they don't, they don't get it? They thought that he might be the Messiah. They thought that he might be the king of the world, but they just, it just didn't, they didn't quite get it. So many times we don't quite get it. But we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, it is the third day since these things have happened. But some of the women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. They did not find his body, They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels whom said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the woman had said, but him they did not see. So they give the story of of how Jesus dies. Three days later, his body is gone, 
They go to look, and his body is not there. But they're still sad. They're like, man, somebody took the body. I was really hoping that he was going to be the Christ. And, oh, man, I don't know. This is what Jesus says. The, the Jesus that just rose out of the grave, the reason why the tomb was empty. Amen? And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He didn't even refer to the gospels. He didn't even refer to, weren't you paying attention to what I said, man? Weren't you paying attention? He said, you didn't listen to what the prophets have spoken. You didn't pay attention to the Old Testament. They were talking about me. You didn't get it. It didn't click. You didn't pay attention to all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter in his glory? Listen to this. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them, and some translations will say he opened to them all the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying Jesus is the key to understanding the entire Bible. He's the key. He opens it up. You watch the book, you watch the, the movie a second time, and you're like, oh, I get it now. It didn't make sense before, this whole, you know, all the stuff that's going on beforehand. But now that I see it through the lens of what Jesus has done, it all makes sense. Somebody say it all makes sense. So, so many times, I mean, I'll just give you a quick example, and we're going to get into many examples. Hallelujah. Starting with the Moses and going into the prophets, just like Jesus did. Um. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. I don't know if I'm going to go book by book. If we do, we'll be here for 66 weeks. Amen. If I don't, then we'll do it a different way. Um, we might break it down a little bit. Um, but here's the thing. Quick example. Forget what Jesus did for just a second, okay? Just look at the picture of Abraham taking Isaac up on top of a mountain. And God told him to sacrifice his son whom, whom was his blessing, whom God said, I'm going to give you this son. He's going to be a son of promise, even though you are, you are barren. I'm going to give you this son. And then he's, he's born, and he's, you know, he's growing old. And God's like, okay, now take him up to the mountain and kill him. And you're like, what, what in the world? And, and, and the world looks at that story and like, man, what a mean God. What a blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, they don't understand because they don't see Christ in it. God, God went out of his way. Jesus went out of his way just to paint some pictures for you throughout Scripture. He, he went out of his way. He was like, Abraham, listen, I don't want you to really kill Isaac, but I just want to paint a picture here. So I need you to obey me. I want to show you. I, this isn't for you, but I want to show these people something in a couple thousand years, a.k.a. me and you. He said, I want to show them something. So go ahead and take your son Isaac up there. And Abraham believes God. He trusts God. And he goes up there, and, and Isaac says, where is the lamb? And Abraham knows that the lamb is Isaac, amen? But he says, don't worry about that. The Lord will provide himself a lamb. The Lord will provide the sacrifice. Does that not scream gospel? That, that the Lord himself, that God Almighty became human flesh. He came and he took on human flesh, and he became the sacrifice for our sins. Wasn't Abraham preaching the gospel? Was he not? We can't just look at it and be like, well, that was a weird story, because it is kind of weird. And then they go up to the mountain, and, and he's about to sacrifice Isaac, and God says, stop. There's a, there's a ram caught in the thicket. Sacrifice that. And we know that Jesus is that sacrifice for all time, that it should have been on us. Amen? But he paid it all. He did it. Amen? That was the whole point throughout all of Scripture. He wanted to show you. He took time. He said, I'm going to take Abraham over here, and I'm going to make him do this, that, and the other, because I want to paint a picture of the gospel. I want to paint a picture of redemption. I want him to get it. God wants you to get it. He doesn't want you to be uninformed, and he doesn't want you to be confused. He wants it to click. Amen? Amen. So he wants it to click, and, and Jesus... Jesus takes him down the road to Emmaus, and he opens up the scripture to them, and then eventually they find out it's him. But it's interesting what he did. He started at Moses. He said, let me take you to the beginning. Listen, you remember when you read Genesis, and this, and this, and this happened? That was about me. You remember when you read this, and this, and this, and this happened? 
that was about me. This, 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 it was about me. Okay? Let's go to Acts. And we'll see, we'll see that this became their, this became their lifestyle. This is how they would do it. Um, I mean, you can look all through Acts. When we get to Acts, it'll be a long, a long study, because I mean it's almost every chapter that they do this. You look at Acts 2, um, and 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 Peter doesn't just get up and say, Jesus rose, so follow Jesus. He says, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He referred back to Old Testament. He said, look at what happened there. Get, understand what happened there. Now this is fulfilled today in your ears. It's what Jesus said. He read the scripture where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to, to preach, to teach, to give deliverance. And he rules it up. And he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And Jesus fulfills the scripture. And so in Acts 2, you see he, he quotes scripture. In, um, in Acts 7, Stephen is about to be martyred, and, and Stephen, he doesn't give some big long rant about how Jesus was this or Jesus was that. He just says, listen, it says that he started with Moses. He started with Abraham. He's like, listen, Abraham was trying to tell you about Jesus. Moses was trying to tell you about Jesus. Isaac was trying to tell you about Jesus. Jacob was trying to tell you about Jesus. All these people were trying to tell you about Jesus, and you killed them all, and then you killed Jesus. And they, that didn't, they didn't like that very much. <laughs> You know what happened to Stephen. But here's another story. This is one of my favorite ones. Um, in Acts 8. Acts 8, verse, uh, let's see. Verse 26. Verse 26, Acts 8. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go, to this, uh, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went. So this is Philip, one of the, the disciples, one of the apostles. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we have this, this eunuch that serves the queen of the Ethiopians. And, and Philip, God, God takes Philip here, and he says, go follow that chariot. You're going to need to talk to this guy. In verse 28, uh, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? That's basically all I'm trying to say tonight. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? In verse 31, and he said, well, how could I? unless if someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. This is Old Testament. That's what I say. This is Old Testament. This is Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, implying that he started at Isaiah 53 and he led him through the rest. Beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> And Philip found himself in, in Astuas, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all cities. Amen? He kept preaching the gospel. Yeah, this is the point that we have to realize. You, you, when we take the, the discipline, when we take the, the charge, the call to study, to understand, to know God, to know God, Amen? 
when we take that, that, that discipline, we have to see it through the right lens. They, I, I've, I've always said it this way. It's a spiritual book, and you have to understand it through spiritual eyes. I think what I'm really saying is this is a Jesus book, and you have to understand it through Jesus. You have to. You have to. The eunuch is sitting there reading Isaiah, and he's like, well, all this stuff about the sheep to the slaughter. I don't get this. This, this King James stuff is weird, as we all say. Close the book, and we're like, I don't get it, but I read my chapter. I might not have understood it, but whatever. We need, to, we need to be like he said. He's like, man, how do I understand this unless if somebody opens it up to me? He said, starting there, he just preached Jesus. The truth of the matter is Jesus opens up the scripture to us. Jesus opens up the scripture to us. And so before, I want to go over a couple examples just as a very quick overview. I know this is more teaching. Um, nobody's shouting, but hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard a shout, amen. I don't know if it was from here, if it was from the heavenlies, but <laughs> hallelujah. Um, <laughs> I want to I I give a quick overview. I just want to give like some tidbits, okay? This is probably stuff I'm going to repeat in the future. Say so he's probably going to repeat it. He's probably going to repeat it. Um, but I just want to give you an overview, amen? So before we go, I want to ask you, I like, Seriously, if, if, you, if you say no, then you say no, that's fine. Um, but I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, um, I hope something, you know, the, the Spirit will compel you for just, if, if anything, just for a couple weeks, just study Scripture. S- study. Scripture says that you need to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not reproach. Amen? You're having a hard time in your life. You're having a hard time staying pure. What does scripture say? It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to your word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sometimes you don't need another word. You don't need another, you know, this or that or the other. You just need to get your nose in the word. Amen? And it'll keep you humble. It'll keep you humble and it'll keep you pure. I, I'm, I, I. I want to study God's word, amen? Raise of hands. Will you, will you go with me at least for tonight? At least for tonight and say, I want to see Jesus through the scriptures. I want to see Jesus through the scriptures, amen? I want it to make sense. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want this big Bible and I only read like 40 pages. Does that, does, are, are we on agreement, amen? I want to be able to get truth out of all of it. I want my, my Bible reading to be Jesus-led and Christ-centered. Amen. Well, almost everybody raised your hand. If you didn't, you're here anyway. You can't leave. So <laughs> if you leave now, it just seems rude. You know what I mean? Like if you, <laughs> if you left when I started, it's like, oh, well, um, you know, I got to go pick up my kid from school or whatever. But even though it's, you know, six or whatever. But now it's just rude. I mean, I made, you, I made you guys raise your hands and everything. Somebody's leaving already, so. <laughs> Let's pray again. Jesus. <laughs> All right. I'm getting, uh, we're going to get there, okay? We're going to get there. We're going to get to heaven one day. Um, this, is the, this is the case. This is how I want you to see this. Over the, whole, over the whole Testament of Scripture, okay? Just imagine the Bible, right? So right around uh, here. You have the New Testament start, okay? If I could find it. Not you, Malachi. You're still old. New Testament. So you have Jesus standing right here, okay? If you got Jesus standing right here, he's radiating light to the front, okay? But what's he doing to the back? He's casting a shadow. He, he, there are shadows of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament where, like, that man, that really looks like Jesus, but I can't quite know who he is. Because you don't have the full substance of him. Amen? And so you'll see all throughout the Old Testament, there's going to be shadows of Jesus. There's going to be types and shadows. You look at David. You look at Solomon. You look at all these different people. And you're like, man, he did some stuff that Jesus did. But you wouldn't get that until you see Jesus. Amen? You got you to have the main guy so you can understand the types and the shadows. And then in the New Testament, he shines his light forward. He shines the gospel forward. And so now... 
from New Testament beyond, which is us, he's shining the light. So in the Old Testament, he was, he was dropping clues to who he was. Now he's dropping people in the earth to represent who he is. That did not hit anybody. That was like, <laughs> so if it's a shadow in the Old Testament, it's going to be a light in the New Testament. It's, he's going to reveal his character. He's going to reveal who he is. And he's going to reveal how we should walk so that now people can see us. They don't have to look at David all the time. They don't have to look at Moses all the time. They can be like, man, that Helen guy, he, he seems different. And then when they investigate it, it's because he looks like Jesus. He's representing Jesus. Amen? That's our whole goal is we want to represent Jesus. Amen? So we need to see him. We need to understand him. We need to know him. That's the whole goal of this is we need to know him. Just like in Proverbs 30, he said, I'm, I'm dumb, I'm stupid because I don't know him. I don't know his son. Amen? All right. <clears throat> that was my introduction. Uh, let's just look at a couple different things. I want to get you, I want, I want you to see that this is, a, this, is, this is serious. This is what was intended. Let's go to Isaiah 9. You look at types and shadows, we're going to be looking closer to the, the beginning of the Old Testament, you know, as we go on. You're going to be looking at Moses, you're going to be looking at David, you're going to be looking at all these different people, and you're going to be like, man, that, that really resembles what Christ did, and you're going to understand Christ more fully, what he, what he accomplished on this earth. But the prophets, nobody can deny. You know, somebody can be like, well, David kind of looks like Christ because he's the king, and because he, you know, his own people reject him, so he has to go to the Gentiles, and he gets these Gentile followers, and it's that's what Jesus did, you know what I mean? And, and Jesus is the son of David, and, and he rules and he reigns. Um, you know, and you can kind of whatever, whatever, and maybe that looks like him. Maybe, you know, because Jesus never committed adultery and killed anybody. So <laughs> somebody say it's a type and a shadow. <laughs> type and a shadow. Jesus was never revealed in the Old Testament. But the prophets, when we get to the prophets, it's going to be a big deal because they so clearly just laid it all out. They laid it all out. They were like, this is who Jesus is going to be. You know more about the crucifixion from the Old Testament, from Psalms 22, than you do from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if we want to understand this a little bit more, we're going to have to go back. If we want to understand Jesus today, we've got to go back and see what, what they've been saying about him from the get-go. But I just want to show you a couple prophecies. I, I pray that you'll see Jesus through this. Isaiah 9. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Uh, verse 4, you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor is at the battle of Midian. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Amen? And Jesus is born and they're like, well, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. But Isaiah said, unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, um, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is him saying, listen, this is not something that's happening now. This is not something that's happening in the past. Isaiah's looking forward, and he sees who Jesus is. Do we agree? We, he sees who Jesus is. Unto us a son is born. It was not talking about Matthew. It was talking about Jesus Christ. Amen? And it says the government's going to be on his shoulders. None of the gospels say that. Amen? So this is what I'm saying. We, we're going to have to go back and see a little bit. We're going to get a fuller picture of who Christ is. By, by reading these prophecies, by seeing these types and shadows of Christ. The, where the gospel, what the gospel leaves out is an invitation for you to study all of Scripture. You're not going to get a full picture of Jesus from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes, which is the only thing that people read now. Well, Jesus said, judge not. Well, it also said his eyes are on fire. So <laughs> let's read all of Scripture before you come at me, buddy. You know, like. So, so we can't just look and be like, well, Jesus said that the fig tree needs to wither up, so let's just try to apply that to my life. No, we're going to look at the full picture of what he meant, what it, what it all means, amen? Hopefully some of the hard passages that we have that we're like, man, I just don't get that, it'll be brought to light. 
And so Isaiah is like, listen, his son is going to be born and he's going to be the prince of peace. He's going to be the everlasting father. He is going to be king of kings. Amen. Isaiah 53. Photo this one. Where I, I am about to quick fire. Okay. Isaiah 53. You, you, you hear about Jesus' crucifixion. When we read about the crucifixion, we know that he's up there. Um, he doesn't open his mouth when he's um, you know, accused, but he goes up on the cross. He's suffering six to nine hours. Um, he's in anguish, and he cries out, and he, and he cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, they stab him in the side. That's about it. It's about all you know. He, he cries with a loud voice. He gives up the ghost. He dies. That's about all you get. Isaiah is going to open up what was actually happening. Um, 53. And my, my Bible puts it right here. The suffering servant is what this chapter is, is titled. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. This is Jesus Christ. He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. So they were looking for a king. But they, they forgot Isaiah 53. He has, no, he has no form that we should look on him, um, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Verse 3, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. We don't get this from the gospel. We don't hear that description. Amen. So we, we, we need to get a fuller picture of who Jesus is. We need to read the Bible. Because then we can understand this. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we, esteemed him, uh, we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening, uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's the King James in me. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging or by his stripes, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. When you read the crucifixion passage, it doesn't say, well, what Jesus was doing here was taking on the iniquity of all men. Okay? But the, the, the apostles knew the Old Testament. And so when they realized that Jesus rose, they were like, and Jesus opened the scriptures to them. They're like, wait a second, that, that, what I've been reading in Isaiah all this time, that's exactly what Jesus did. He bore my afflictions on the cross. He took my sins, and now I'm cleansed, and now I'm clean. It wasn't just some random death. It was all planned out from the beginning. It says he was crucified from the foundation of the world. That he knew what was going to happen. And he told us many, many, many times. Um, Isaiah, it's going to stick in Isaiah, not because my son's Isaiah, or because my son's Isaiah, Isaiah, one of the two. <clears throat> Isaiah 61, this is what Jesus quoted. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he will be glorified. John never said that. John said he was crucified, and then he rose. Amen. Hallelujah. But we need a bigger picture. Listen to this in Isaiah 63. I want you to, this is, if this is not proof positive that the Old Testament is talking about Jesus, I don't know what is. Let's do this. Isaiah 63, and then we'll, we'll, we'll skip on. Isaiah 63. Uh, let's go to, I'm going to start in one. Who is this who comes from Edom? With garments of glowing collars from Bazor, Basra, whatever. This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Jesus, who speaks in righteousness, mighty to save. Listen to this. Why is your apparel red? 
and your garments like the one who treads in the winepress. Now, I quoted the easy ones a couple minutes ago where you guys are like, oh, unto us a child is born. Blah, of course, I know that's about Jesus. This one's like, why are your garments red? When did Jesus wear red clothes? Hmm. What's going on here? Why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads in the winepress? Verse 3, I have trodden the wine through alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also trod them in my anger, and I trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, and there was no one to help, and I was astonished that there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. I trod down the peoples in anger and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. That didn't sound like the Beatitudes. Go with me to Revelations 19. Revelations 19. You're like, his clothes had wine press red on them? What's going on here? And you don't see it until the end of the book. This, we just skipped from like the middle of the book to like there's only a couple pages left. Somebody say amen. It's, he's all throughout scripture. He's all throughout the Bible. Listen to this, Revelation 19. Verse 11, and I saw heaven opened. This, is, this, is, this hasn't even happened yet. This is a prophecy about what's going to happen. And he, we still see Jesus from beginning to end. It's all him. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who said on it is called faithful and true. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to be called faithful and true. It's Jesus, amen? He's called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems or many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Listen to this. He is clothed with the robe dipped in blood. He's clothed with the robe dipped in blood. And a call back to John 1, and his name is called the Word of God. Just so much. I mean, like, if you... If you, like, get, like, a pin here and was like, okay, this was talking about Isaiah, but this was talking about John. It's like every verse, you have it back and forth so many different times. I wish I could find that picture. There's a picture showing all the different verses in the Bible that represent, like, that reference each other. If you can find that, and it looks like a rainbow. I mean, it's, it's legit. If you can find that tonight, you get bonus points. But if you don't, you don't get bonus points. Um, but let's keep reading. Um, verse 13, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So you're like, okay, it's dipped in blood, so maybe it was talking about Isaiah 63. You know, that's kind of a stretch. You know, okay, that's kind of a stretch. Listen to this. Verse 15, or verse uh, 14, and the armies which are in heaven, clothed in uh, fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them all with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. This is who Isaiah was talking about. They said, why is your, why is your garment red, Jesus? What, what's going on here? I don't understand. And he's like, well, this is what I'm going to wear at the last days. This is what, I, this is what I'm going to wear when I come back. Because I've been treading out the winepress of the wrath of God. I, I pressed it all out at the cross with my own blood. Amen? And when he comes back, it's not going to be only his blood that it's covering, but it's going to be the blood of all the ungodly. This is why we have to understand Scripture. This, it says that he comes and he brings a sword and he cuts down nations with his mouth. This isn't, this isn't the, the nice little Jesus we see through the gospel a lot of the times. Amen? This is true, holy, king of kings, if we keep on reading and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. He came back one time with grace, but we've got to get this story right because when he comes back again, it is not going to be pretty. Amen. I'll leave that at that. I want to show you one more thing before we just to, Does that excite anybody? I mean, we just made a connection between Isaiah and Revelations. You've got to give me some props here, amen? You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. <laughs> this, is, this is a long Bible. 
I made that connection on my own. I'll pat myself on the back. No, I'm kidding. But we wouldn't get, we, you, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? That there's a light shining forward to Revelations. So you can see the picture of what Jesus is going to be. And there's a shadow back in the Old Testament. So you can see what they thought Jesus was going to be like. But it doesn't get unlocked until you know who Jesus is. You read those two passages separately, and you still don't get who this guy is. It's like, who are you that's dressed in red? And he's like, well, I've been working in the wine press. And then you read Revelation, and it's like it's covered in blood and wine. And you're like, well, the Messiah must be somebody who works in a wine press. <laughs> Amen? But that's not the case. The, the whole scripture is unlocked when we see Jesus. The whole scripture is unlocked when we see Jesus. I want to show you one more thing. Um, two more things. I promise I didn't mean to lie. Two more things. Uh, how many's ever read the, uh, the genealogy at Matthew 1? Matthew 1. All right. I'm going to read it real, real fast because I know we're running out of time. Um, but we had a time change, so that's why I messed up. <laughs> Listen to this. Genealogies. People always want to skip past genealogies. How many's ever skipped past the book of, of Numbers in First and Second Chronicles? Oh, man. I promise you, I've told people, I have read the whole Bible, but I have not read those books. God help me. Tell <laughs> you here in Chronicles right now, and you're like, Jesus, what do you want me to learn from the name Mahaluhuzalo? And I'm telling you, he's got something for you, Tyler. You just got to keep on asking. And you got to look at. Yeah, exactly. Get a commentary, get a study Bible. Talk, talk, to, talk to Tyler. I mean, he'll get, he'll get hooked up, man. He's a commentary and a study Bible right there, man. But what you said is exactly what I'm talking about. You got to look at the Hebrew terms, okay? Check this out. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judah. Judah, Perez, Zerah. Um, Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. And it goes on. It goes on for 17 verses. Amen? I want to show you something, okay? I want to show you something. This is actually um, the genealogy of Jesus before we even get to this point, before we even get to Abraham. All right? So we've got a couple different people before Noah, okay? This is a, this is a couple different people before Noah uh, leading up to Noah. Yeah, leading up to Noah. So we know that, that mankind starts with Adam. Somebody say amen. I hope we know that. Mankind starts with Adam. Adam has a kid named Seth. Seth has a kid named Enosh. Enosh has a kid named um, uh, Kenan or Canaan. Canaan has Mahalalel. Mahalalel has Jared. Jared has Enoch. Enoch has Methuselah. Methuselah has Lamech. Lamech has Noah. We made through the names. This, I want to I tell you something. You got to look at the Hebrew terms just like, just like Tyler said because in Hebrew they understood something. They understood that names meant something. Names don't mean anything anymore, okay? Like Chelsea's name. Chelsea just walked out so I can say this. Chelsea's name means sidewalk. Like, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect as it used to. You know, Daniel, God is my judge. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Jackson means God has been gracious. Valor, I mean, you got valor, amen. Mercy and Isaiah. And then Chelsea is sidewalk. So, <laughs> names don't mean as much as they used to, but names used to mean a lot. They would read a name, and they would realize what, they were reading two things. They were reading the guy's name, and they were reading the meaning, okay? <laughs> it does. It means sidewalk. It says, it means, I'm sorry, where the chalk falls. I see that as a sidewalk. <laughs> That's where the chalk falls. That's where all the kids be playing on the chalk. All right. Back on track. Adam, listen, <laughs> let's get it back in, okay? Adam means man. It means to be, to be read. It means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means commencement or teaching. Teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. His death shall bring, because he's the oldest guy. And when he died, it was bringing in the, the, the new age where people didn't live quite as long. Enoch, or sorry, Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, 
means despairing, and Noah means comfort. You guys are like, where was Jesus in that? Okay, listen to this. Put them all together. This is how they would read it. Check this out. Man is appointed. This is just from a genealogy, all right? This is just from a genealogy. You just read the names. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. Oh, my Lord. You just got the gospel from Genesis. Amen? That was pure gospel. You... I want to read it again. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. And we, are, we have the benefits of that today. We have the benefits of the gospel. We can look back and say we know exactly what he was talking about because we see it in the picture of Jesus Christ. The blessed God came down and he proclaimed rest to those who were in mortal sorrow. Amen. I was in mortal sorrow, but he came down and he cleansed me of my sins and he gave me a new mind and a new nature and a new spirit. This is the gospel. It's all about the gospel from the beginning to the end. It is all about the gospel because they they were given. If you look through the Old Testament and we're going to look at this as time goes on, but you just got to see this in Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they were given the law. Okay, they were given the law. They said in order to, to make yourself right with God, in order to get close to God, because you, you have this sin in your life, you have fallen, I need you to keep the law. How many know they didn't keep the law? They were lawbreakers. They could not keep the law, so they couldn't bring themselves to God. He said, you keep the law, you're close to God, but they couldn't do it. He said, okay, well, the law didn't work. So, so in order to get people right, let's, let's bring in sacrifice. So you'll sacrifice the lamb, and you'll sacrifice the birds, and you'll, you'll sacrifice this and that and the other. How many know that the sacrifices got corrupt? They wouldn't give the right sacrifices. They would do it in the wrong heart. He said, okay, so these people aren't sacrificing right. The, the people are too dirty, too sinful. So let's bring in the priests. The priests will stay close to me. The priests will come and minister before me. And then the priests, you look at, at, at um, you know, all through the first five books of the Bible. The priests, they're, they're idolatrous. They're immoral. They commit adultery. They thieve. They rob. The priests aren't good enough. The law wasn't good enough. The, the, it didn't click. We couldn't get to God. Amen? And so he said, okay, the priests are corrupt. The sacrifices are corrupt. The law, they can't follow it. So, so I'm going to bring them, I'm going to bring them judges. And so the judges are going to arise and they're going to deliver them and they're going to get them close to God. And we see the judges and we see Samson, not a good judge. Amen. We see that the judges fail and they can't, they can't do good enough to make it to God. And so he says, okay, so the judges aren't going to keep my word. So let's bring in some kings. And the kings failed on the first try. Amen. King Saul was, was a, a people pleaser and feared the people. The kings aren't good enough. The kings, they, it says that they do evil in the sight of the Lord, just like their fathers did, worse than their fathers did. The kings aren't good enough. So let's bring them prophets. So we'll bring them prophets, and, and the prophets are going to minister to the kings. And you know what they did? They killed the prophets. And so we realize by the end of Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, they haven't kept the law. They've, they've adulterated the sacrifices. The priests have failed. The, kings have, uh, the judges have failed. The kings have failed. And the prophets have been killed. So we realize that we need someone better. We needed someone better. We couldn't make it to God. And so God came down to us. And so we see now in the picture of Jesus those six categories that the Old Testament encompassed. We see in Jesus, the one who kept the law. He kept the law. Amen? He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was a great, kingly, high priest. 
He is our high priest forever, it says. And that he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he knows us. Amen. So he's he kept the law. He is the sacrifice. He is the priest. He is the judge because the judge would come and bring deliverance. And Jesus Christ brings deliverance today. So he is the real judge. He is the true judge. He is he in uh, uh, on the fifth one. He is the king of kings. Amen. David couldn't do it right. Solomon couldn't do it right. None of them could do it right. So he came and he was the king. And he is the prophet. He is the king, the priest, the prophet, the sacrifice, the law keeper. And he is our deliverer. Everything that you needed in the Old Testament, everything that you couldn't keep, every place that we failed in human history, Jesus Christ has succeeded. He has brought victory and he has brought freedom to us. Amen. Everything that we needed, everything that we need today is all found in Christ. Every question in the Old Testament was answered by one man who was God, who is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the same yesterday. Say it with me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have uh, crafted it in such a way that you point to yourself so much that we can't help but read this word and be drawn in to see what you have done to show us us your grace, to show us your glory, to show us your redemption. We thank you that you have delivered the word to us. We thank you that you have delivered us from our sins, that you have died on the cross, and all of history hinges on when you died on the cross You shed your blood so that we may have peace, we may have healing, we may have joy, we may have everything that you provide, God. We thank you that when we couldn't keep the law, you kept the law. We thank you that when we couldn't bring a good enough sacrifice, you were the sacrifice. We thank you that when uh, our our priesthood was was, uh, taken down, when we could not keep ourselves clean, when we could not keep ourselves in the presence, You went into the presence and you brought the presence down to us. You are our priest forever. You are our high priest, God. We thank you that you are our deliverer, that when the judges couldn't keep it right, when they kept coming and going and they could not keep themselves clean, that you came to be a deliverer and you came to be a judge to the world. We thank you that when the kings couldn't keep it right, when the kings came and when the kings went and when the kings came and go, they did evil, they did good. They did evil, they did good. You said, there is no one to save these people, so I'm going to become their king. I'm going to become their king of kings and their lord of lords. You did that for us, God, and you are our prophet. You are the one that opens up the scripture to us. In In the end of the book, in Revelations 4, it says, no one can open up the seals. No one can look into the scroll, but you have been found worthy, God. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the root and the offspring of David. You are the bright and morning star. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the seed of Abraham. You are greater than Solomon. You're greater than than, um, Jonah. You are the, the, the father of Abraham. You are the father of Moses. And you are the father of us now. It has always been you. It always will be you. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.